When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Katherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, my guest, you know him, you love him, Raptors Republic Zone, Oren Weisfeld. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I enjoy the show whenever I catch it and uh, really honored. This is my my debut. I hope I'm invited back after, <laughs> after this. I want to well, give tea now that now that that's in the name. Yes. I'm just going to try to inject tea wherever I can into this pod. Well, Maybe are... spice things up. Lie. Just straight up lie. Wow. To, to get things going, you know? Wow. I mean, so I, I feel think, like I think the connotation is that you would tell the truth when you're spilling tea. But oh. uh, but either way, you know, we're here to have a good time. That's really what this podcast is for. Are you okay. drinking tea at the moment? Do you have tea with you? No, I got water with me. Just finished the the morning coffee. It's mm-hmm. very early. Mm-hmm. We don't need to disclose. And uh, now just water. <laughs> okay, that's fair. How that's about you? Fair. Uh, I still have a coffee with me here in this beautiful mug that has like a peacock and a, a, a stamp for some reason and some roses. You know, just a real classic indigo basic nice bitch kind of mug (laughs) um yeah i'm still in coffee mode right now as we're recording this we're recording this on thursday uh the show comes out on friday so uh, we won't be able to remark on tonight's game uh with the hornets but we've got lots of nba to talk about followed by raptor stuff uh one of the biggest things that happened this week is kevin durant is down with yet another injury um the nets had really been killing it up until this point since Jacques Vaughn took over uh Kevin Durant has a sprained MCL uh I'm not sure his exact timeline for his return but you know it's funny because I was reading like you know this is the second year in a row he's been injured this time of year but I almost want to say it's like the third year in a row he's been injured this time of year Right, because well, yeah, he hasn't I do think played. Three years ago, he wasn't playing just because he was still he was still rehabbing. recovering. Yeah, so yeah. it's yeah, he's always injured for All Star Weekend, mm-hmm. um, which is whatever. Uh, it doesn't bother me so much, but um, I don't think it bothers him too much to not go to Utah either. Yeah, like I think like my feeling about All Stars, I think players they love it at first and then once you've been there like i don't know like six times or something i think you probably just want to go to the beach after a while but i think maybe that's where kevin durant's at but i wanted to ask you like what do you think this means for the brooklyn nets like what do you do you think they're going to be able to play well without him where do you see them possibly slipping in the stands like where do you see this team right now yeah, I've been wrong about the Brooklyn Nets before, but I don't think they can really handle KD's loss. Like, I, I think they'd be really lucky to go 500 in this stretch. I think it's like two to four weeks without him. Mm. And 
I mean, I get it. They've won like 18 out of their last 20 games. They look like they're firing on all cylinders. Kyrie's been great. A bunch of their role players have been great. And so I think a lot of people will take that and be like, yeah, they'll be fine without KD. They can go 500 or whatever. But the margins are small in this league and everything they do revolves around KD really on both ends. Like he's also pivotal to their rebounding, their defense, offensively, obviously. And then I was thinking about it in clutch time too because I was watching, I think, their first game without KD. And I forget who they were playing, but they just started double-teaming Kyrie in the clutch. And it's like, oh, yeah, you can do that now really easily (laughs) and not be afraid of, like, Utah Watanabe ending the game. Like, that's a risk I'm willing to take. In -hmm. the past, you just couldn't double-team those guys because the other one would just find the ball. So. Yeah, yeah, that risk I'm, didn't pay off so well against the Raptors. But uh, this is true. This is true. <laughs> but I do hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And even just earlier in the game, you can start doubling Kyrie and stuff like that, taking the ball out of his hands, making him uncomfortable and making other guys make shots throughout the game. So I'm worried about the Nets, I'll say, but they're going to be fine. Like they're still a playoff team. And if KD is back in time, for the playoffs, it's all going to be fine. I will say the only thing is that now they're going to maybe have to play a tough, a tougher opponent in round one and just go through kind of a slog, which I'm not sure if this Nets team is built for. Like they're uber talented up top, but I'm not sure if they have the talent to go through like four really tough series. Yeah, I mean, I think that's completely legit. Like, I think they're so lucky that they've gone on the winning streak that they have. I think they won like 18 out of 20 games or something crazy like that. And yeah, the fact that they have that winning streak before this injury is going to save their entire season. Because now, if like you said, if they do slip to maybe like fourth or fifth, um, which would mean facing possibly the Cavs in the first round, which is pretty rough. But at least, you know, they're going to – if without that winning streak, they would have been looking at the play-in or something, and I yeah. don't think they're going to slip that far. And also, too, they just have one of the most bizarre seasons I could ever remember a team having. Like, like when you're like, oh, I've been wrong about the Nets. Who's been right about the Nets? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been absolutely impossible to actually be uh, correct about this team. So, That's true. Nobody could have predicted the Amazon doc. Uh, it would have been a tough prediction. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, yeah, Kevin Durant is that guy. You know, we probably... I mean, it would be interesting to see if he comes back for All-Star, but it's kind of like, why would you rush that? So I don't see it. But yeah, I do think they'll be able to more or less salvage their season. And uh, because they are the ultimate villains, I'm really hoping they do slip. And (laughs) Yeah, I hate hate everything about them. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see them play the Sixers in the first round as like a four or five series because that's the dream matchup. We've mm. never gotten like a healthy uh, matchup since the the trade with Harden and uh, Ben oh, Simmons. Oh, of so, course, yeah. Yeah, I really want to see that in the first I, round. That I couldn't cool. believe that that trade was only a year ago. Yeah, and that wild. Like when I was reading the article, I was like, "No, that wasn't just last year." Oh, wait, that trade with Harden and Simmons was only last year. That feels like so long ago. 
Yeah, that's a more existential issue, though, because to me, I was like, specifically, (laughs) me too. I was like, I was like, how is January 1st, 12 days ago? Like, how is it January 12th already? That's what I was thinking recently. So, yeah, let alone that way with time in general. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. So, yeah, time is rough on all of us. And I'm not rooting for these nets. So, I mean, Utah is probably like the only cool thing about them. And actually, we're going to talk about. Well, actually, you know what? Let's segue into this topic now. Why not? We're here. Um, Utah's the only bright spot for me with the Nets on a on a personal level. <laughs> and uh, he made a bit of the uh, NBA news rounds, if you will, this week, because out of all people in the world, Chandler Parsons, former NBA player Chandler Parsons, is now an analyst with FanDuel which is wild. And I already feel like I'm giving away my opinion as I describe the topic. (laughs) But uh, he basically said Utah should not be in the three-point contest despite having the best three-point shooting percentage in the league right now. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because we're all Raptors homers. And I know we all love Utah. We all have a soft spot for him. Uh, Chandler said he would buckle under the pressure and couldn't handle it. (laughs) What do you think, Goran? I hate to like kind of agree in the sense that I don't think Utah will be very good in a shoot three-point contest. Like I I do feel like he's not there as a shooter and like a lot of his shots are pretty open, takes a lot of corner threes. Like I'm I'm not ready to say Utah is Steph Curry just yet. However, (laughs) he should be in the dunk contest because it's not about like, it's ultimately about fun. The dunk contest is not about putting the like, five best shooters in you the mean world the three-point shooting contest. sorry yes yeah he could no. be in the dunk contest too it'd be fun i mean the dunk could contest be on is the so dunk bad right now contest. <laughs> <laughs> sorry you um yeah i mean that's a that's an interesting perspective i mean me i like i'm gonna have the most jaded opinion ever and that i only think chandler parsons is doing this to remind us he exists and i don't like that show in general to There's just so establish many about it. Yeah, I don't I'm not even that familiar with the show. I mean, I'm familiar with Michelle Beadle. But um, all I know about the show is like Michelle Beadle hitting on shams. Like those are the only clips I see of that show. Have you seen these? They flirt with each other? Like very weirdly. Oh, yes. now I want to yeah. watch. <laughs> yeah. That is weird. Okay. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they're a thing. No, it's like her being like shams you're cute and then shams like not knowing how to talk as a human being and like reciprocate the flirting oh okay yeah that's kind of okay but you don't like it for that reason or that's just, just all you know like of it. the show yeah that's all i know of it and then and then there's weird guests and i also just don't like that shams has a sports betting show um oh that's true yeah yeah that does feel like a conflict of interest for sure um (laughs) maybe uh he'll have a documentary 20 years from now on netflix like that referee did Mm. yeah but in any case um yeah i like michelle beetle but i didn't know that this was a whole dynamic so i'm gonna have to investigate further but i i just think like chandler parsons was really just trying to make his mark on the scene as an analyst and i think one way people do that you tell me because you're a legit analyst is do people will they think of a hot take on purpose just to just to make the rounds that's what i think happens quite often 
I think so for sure. Yeah, and like yeah, I don't even think they necessarily that. believe that. Like same with like like Kendrick Perkins. Like I don't even think he believes half the things he says. He's just doing it because he knows he knows what's up. For sure. Or like Stephen A. Smith, who's a bit of a different hmm. story because he's on every day, but like he has to just make stuff up. Like he has no choice but to. Have yeah, it's a literally a debate show, and they can't yeah. agree every episode. <laughs> but I think he definitely doesn't believe everything that he's arguing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he's this is a bad hill to die on because Utah is really beloved like everywhere he's been. Um so and and yeah, for me it's like I feel like you need that kind of token guy in the three-point contest who's just having a really good season and it's fun for him to be there and like he's not going to win it, but he's mm-hmm. he's the guy at the three-point shootout who's just like really happy to be there and like asks Steph for his jersey after. Yeah, That's or asks him for an like old school, like asks him for an autograph. Yeah. Just asks him for a photo. Yeah, you know. Um, I agree. Also, too, a part of me kind of liked it in that, like, oh, maybe it motivates Utah. Maybe it puts like lights a little fire under him, you know. Um, but yeah. in any case, I just thought that was silly. Uh, another crazy thing that was silly, uh, Oren, it was this uh, insane map from TNT. <laughs> of canada um basically uh we all border the the hudson bay i guess is where we are geographically located it was so funny when i first saw this graphic i just i thought the graphic was cropped and that i just yeah. wasn't seeing it properly i just thought it was cropped and then when i saw it again and again i was like wait why is this making the rounds and then i read it and was like oh like they just don't know Canada and don't care once again. Does that bother you? No. I'm I'm horrible with geography and Canadian geography. Like obviously I knew what they did was horrible, but also <laughs> if you ask me like where Yukon is located, like I'm not good at picking really? stuff out of a map. Yeah, I'm pretty bad. Were you um, wait, so, were you born here? Yeah. I just it's not a it's not an interest of mine I will say geography you know since like elementary school I guess when we learned that stuff mm-hmm. never really looked at a map just for fun it's not in my uh my wheelhouse wow so I'm not good but at the same time I feel like they got this stuff wrong in the past like I've seen this happen before with like ESPN or TNT so yeah they it, all it takes is like a quick google um, now, do you think they're doing this just to anger us on purpose? No, I think they no. Don't that's care. I don't think I so think either. This, this is, is a legit mistake. That's so funny. Yeah. I I am. I would say I'm decent with geography, but one thing as someone who was born in Canada that I don't know how to do is ice skate, and that's always bothered okay. me. I never learned how to skate. Yeah, and I feel I like know I a lot should of know from here so, who don't know how to skate. Yeah, I feel like it's but, something I should know just because I was born here. I think it's a good winter hobby, honestly, just like as something to teach yourself, get out there, skate a little bit. It's oh, it's terrifying. I think you need one of those, you know, those chairs that you hold yes. in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Just go get one of those and you could learn to skate. I think it's a, uh, I think it's <laughs> just right up on, your, just on my own. Do that. It's in your capability. No, I mean, go with friends too, but sometimes <laughs> you might, if you really want to learn, you might have to just get out there alone. No, I think I think I I pictured myself doing this on my own, wearing all leopard print for some reason and just really like leaning just like, I don't know, channeling like in my inner like pigeon lady, if you will, (laughs) just like being a total loner. Anyway, 
Uh, that's cool. I just want to say on the TNT map, the only thing I felt bad for Jamal Murray because it was like it acted like <laughs> Kitchener was like so far from everyone, and it was just like, no, he he's actually part of the same scene as all these guys. Like Kitchener yeah. is not in the West Coast. So well, and it's funny. also like they distinguished Kitchener, but they didn't distinguish Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. That it was just, ridiculous. It just said Toronto for a bunch of guys who were not born in Toronto. <laughs> like, Yeah, because isn't like Wiggins from Mississauga? Vaughn, yeah. Yeah. Wiggins is from Vaughn. Um, oh, he's from Vaughn. I, f- I forget the rest of them, but yeah. Yeah. As someone from Mississauga, I just I'm used to being lumped into being from Toronto. But I think if yeah. you're from Hamilton, you're probably not as used to that. Yeah. I would I would say in any case that was funny and stupid uh, <laughs> to comment on it. Um, so here's the thing, Oren, we're at the midpoint of the NBA season right now. And as we know, the NBA is filled with various storylines. And I want to know which out of all the NBA storylines this season so far have kind of surprised you the most. Yeah, so. Uh, for me, I'm taking like a more NBA wide storyline rather mm-hmm. than like one team or one player. But I think it's just the parity of the league and how many teams are bunched together and how many teams have been competitive, like teams like the Kings and the Jazz, who I didn't expect to be very good. Even like the Knicks and the Wizards in the East are like legit. Um, and and yeah, like I came into this season thinking it was going to be a bit of a mess because of Victor Wembanyama. And I Mm -hmm. thought there was going to be like some really bad tanking and that like the bottom third of the league was just not going to be competitive. And I've been wrong with that so far. I'm still worried about what's going to happen in like February. I think a lot of teams are going to like aggressively tank. And I think some teams are going to join in the mix of the bad teams. So I'm still not exactly sure how it's going to play out. But so far, at least, like I really enjoyed this season because it feels like any team could win any given night. And sometimes watching the NBA, you just don't feel that way. There's like a couple juggernauts and everyone else is kind of just hopeless. And this season, it really feels like, A, there's like a bunch of championship contenders, and B, just on a nightly basis, um, anyone could be anyone. And I kind of credit the play-in tournament. I don't know how you feel about the play-in tournament. I was a little skeptical at first. But I think it's really helped save the regular season in a lot of way because teams feel like they're just in the mix for longer. And yeah, they, they might as well compete until they like can't anymore. Um, I completely agree. I love the play in tournament and uh, I think it's been wildly successful. Uh, I agree. I was maybe somewhat skeptical, but because they debuted it during the bubble, I was less skeptical because I was just so excited to see basketball again. And I was just like, if you're ever going to do something like this, like now's the time, like now's the time to make up for the lack of having the rest of the regular season, only having a handful of games. Like it felt like the fairest thing to do, but yeah, it's been, it's been super successful and I love it. Another very random idea I have about, um, about Bennett, keeping the regular season more relevant is I don't think teams below 500 should have more than one all-star. Okay. So I think if you're a below 500 team, you don't get to have more than one player in the all-star Ooh, game. I feel like they don't though. Generally. I think the Lakers but, do, or they could that's like, true. that's like, but like that's, that's a good, good example, example of a team yeah. that is below 500 that shouldn't have more than one all-star. Um, and it happens. Basically like, the Lakers shouldn't get exceptionalism is what you're saying. 
sure yes but there's also been other years when like i remember there was a year when like the celtics were under 500 and they still got like uh jason tatum and um why am i blanking Kyrie, on this maybe no it Jaylen was brown? yeah jalen brown okay. we're yeah. both in it and it's like no like this shouldn't happen um yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just think like that would also incentivize things because you still have the fan vote. But then also the fans, if you're you got to pick one, you know what I mean? If your team's below 500 and they're not going to if you don't think they're going to rally above it or if they're kind of like on the verge, then maybe you do rally for two players hoping to get them in. I think it keeps the first half of the NBA season more interesting. No, yeah, I think just incentivizing winning is yeah. a good thing always. Um, yeah. So I, I like that. I think, yeah, if the, if that ever, like if that happens this season, I guess I never thought of it because in general, I would think that shouldn't ever happen. But at the same time, LeBron and AD are probably both all-stars. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of like that though. Yeah, you got to pick one. Pit the Lakers fans against each other. That's yes. a good bon- bonus from this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, in terms of storylines, I mean, honestly, I think the Raptors have probably (laughs) intrigued me the most this year, but we're going to get into everything Raptors uh, later on in this episode. But I would say, like, I'm a huge Warriors fan and they have totally perplexed me this season. Uh, They're currently eighth right now and Steph Curry just came back, um, although they lost against the Suns the other night. The Suns have also totally perplexed me too. Like these mm-hmm. are two teams you pred- one would have predicted to be like the top two in the West, and right now they're sitting uh, eighth and or seventh and eighth. So it's so weird because even though the Warriors haven't really been winning all season long, I'm still not counting them out. Yeah, you I just can't. Think they're going to win the championship. I do. Too. <laughs> which I don't like they won too much but yeah I feel the same way like the the Warriors they really surprised me when Steph went out Wiggins was also injured it was right around the same time where the Raptors um I'm not sure yeah they were dealing with some injuries too and both teams were like all right let's just stay afloat through the injuries Mm -hmm. the Warriors won a bunch of games a bunch of close games the Raptors lost a bunch of close games and Mm -hmm. it was just like man something about the Warriors is just like they have that DNA in them and I've been super impressed with their run without Steph and yeah if if like Clay's gonna play like this Draymond um Looney's been really good Jordan Poole obviously and Steph comes back then they could just win again which is definitely something yeah yeah, I mean, I, I guess it also goes back to your point, too, about parity in the NBA this year that we're looking at a team that's like the reigning champions, currently eighth, and yeah. we're still like at the midpoint of the season, and we're still like they could win it all. And yeah, so I mean, that's just the kind of season it's been. I mean, I guess it's in a weird way, like it's been frustrating as a Raptors fan, but as an NBA fan, it's been like the yeah. most exciting thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I really don't know who's going to win. I I was going to say in the West, I do feel like Denver is still kind of my pick Mm. in terms of like a team that could beat the Warriors and come out of the West. Who's your, uh, who's your West pick if not the Warriors? Well, I think this year um, the Nuggets could come through. Um, Mm. Who knew Aaron Gordon was going to become the second best player on that team? 
right? Yeah, Jokic did. <laughs> yeah, I guess. He chose him. He was like, He's I choose He's the only you. one. He's the He's only one. He's like, I'm bringing one. you along this year. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you think back to that. I mean, I don't even remember um, who they gave away in that trade with Orlando. But, wow, has that paid off in spades, you know? And, and now with Jamal Murray back, you know, maybe not exactly who he was in the bubble, but definitely, like, their third best player. Like, that's their big three. Everyone thought it was going to be Michael Porter Jr., um, but it isn't. Uh, and it's the, that's the big three. And I think him stepping up has been massive for them this season. Yeah. And they need, they definitely need Murray and, and Porter to kind of be mm-hmm. close to them regular selves if they want to win a championship. But it's true. Like, yeah, Gordon stepping into that, kind of having now four guys who are really legit takes them to another level. And then Jokic just continuing to be this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't count them out. Yeah, because I remember last year in the playoffs, like Draymond Green did an excellent defensive job on Jokic, but he just didn't have as many options to pass to. Mm-hmm. And now they do, and that's gonna that's gonna change everyone's entire game plan. So yeah, I yeah. love watching the Nuggets this year, and they've been, you know, as cliche as it is, that team that's been knocking on the door, so to speak. And you know, maybe this is the year that they finally pull through, and that would be exciting to watch. That would be very exciting to watch. Um, okay, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. Um, I let's, okay, let's get this out of the way. Scotty Barnes, Thad Young, we all saw the video. They were bickering. They were, uh, somewhat separated, but I don't think it was going to escalate to that degree. Uh, we all saw the video. Everyone got into a bit of a panic. And then all the post-game press conferences were just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, it was nothing. You know how people argue. You have relatives, right? You argue with them. Uh, or what was your sense of everything that unfolded there? Yeah, my my only takeaway was that Christian Coloco needs a pay raise. It's like I keep seeing him <laughs> in these situations where he's like supposed to be the vet. And it's like this is a rookie who like just got here who's super inexperienced. I just feel like there's too much. Like sometimes too in these lineups where the bench is playing, I just feel like Coloco is like the vet who's like keeping things steady with like Boucher and Precious out there. And I'm like, what is going on? He's like 20, like can we can we get someone to take over these responsibilities breaking up a fight uh i really like him he he seems like a really like mature guy so that was my first impression but i want to give you some tea since that's what i yes. said i would come here to do so i was at the game and we all missed that because yeah nobody watches halftime warm-ups mm-hmm. whatever it is so we were like sitting on just press row and someone shared the video and we all watched it um, but this was my experience of that game. So as I told you, I had a cold. So I was out like a week without doing anything. I was just in my house. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is my first game back, Portland game. And then it was just such a a, a shit show of a game start to finish. Like my night was such a shit show. <laughs> so behind us on press row was like, is like a box. And this whole time the box was getting aggressively drunk, like very loud, yelling the whole time drinking crazy 
And I was like, isn't like security going to check up on them? Like, isn't there like people who serve them alcohol who are supposed to like cut them off at a certain point? It was just really aggressive. So as I'm like watching this video of these guys bantering, trying to watch the game, hearing just like craziness behind me, it was just a lot of that for a long time. I was like, I really need to get home. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then as the buzzer sounds, one of the people in the box projectile vomits all over <laughs> several people on the box and all over press row, including oh. on someone's laptop who was like a Blazers writer. Who did yeah, I think the No Dunks guys talked about the Blazers writer getting uh, oh, really? on. Yeah. Wow. So he must have shared his story because if I was him, I would have not told anyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I must. I definitely heard that somewhere and I'm assuming it was no dunks. But in any case, yeah. So what was that like for you to watch that all unfold? It was horrible. I wanted to, <laughs> after being home for a week in my bed, I was like, I need to be home right now. Like, please get me home. It was just such an overwhelming day with like with the with the Thad Scotty fight with that going on behind me. And then I was supposed to pay attention to a basketball game. It was just quite a bit. So. And so they, did they throw it just on his laptop or on him? Mostly on his laptop. I don't oh know God. if he really got it. Yeah, I would it was... be so mad if that no, he happened was. to me. He was. I think he hates Toronto. Like, that was the impression I got was, like, he hates everything about his this experience. Was it his first time here? I don't know. But he was, like, getting mad at the PR people, and they're like, it's not really our job to, like, police, you know, what people do in the stadium. That's, like, security's job. Yeah, mess. which is true, but also like, yeah, because I, I mean, it's so weird that you would like if you were sick that you would go over the railing. Like you yeah. would think like that's the thing to do. I, did, I guess she wasn't expecting it. Right. And it was just like, oh, is it she? Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, I guess it just came up out of nowhere and, and she let go. And then he got really mad and like turned around and they all bucked it and they all just ran away from like, yeah, like yeah, the buzzer yeah. sounded. So they just left yeah 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 crazy oh my god oh i would not have handled that well no if it happened on me after the day i had i think i would have just died like (laughs) crumbled up and i couldn't handle that i'm the kind of person like i can't see it if if someone is is throwing up like i can't see it i can't smell it i have to he run. didn't see it i'll give you because... that he was like are you guys throwing shit at me and then the girl beside him was like no she threw up on you <laughs> so. oh my god oh my god and then you're away and then it's your laptop and then you're like when does the apple store open the next day you know what i mean or like whatever yeah. it is to yeah. to fix it i just oh my god i'm a freelancer so i use my laptop for literally everything yeah I feel Same. like it's my lifeline in in a lot of ways. Um, wow, what that is so wild and yeah. and terrifying and, and ridiculous. And yeah, security definitely should have been on top of that. But it, that aside, when you finally got to absorb oh. what happened, <laughs> yeah, what did you make of it? I I think it's something I've written about this season and talked about a lot. Like there is something on this team where there's, to me, there's like two timelines and two very different dynamics where there's an old group and there's a young group. And I think some of their struggles 
and even like nurse has admitted this like if guys don't really get along off the court and there's not like great team chemistry there it's going to translate to the court and i think some of their struggles have been with that kind of dynamic where there's some older guys who are a bit more professional a bit more ready to win see things a certain way in terms of how you should go about things and then there's a younger crew who um sees things differently and that that's the reality of the league right now is that like young guys are coming in just with a different mentality than like a fred had or a pascal had who a were like late picks and had to kind of grind it a little bit more than scotty would but also it's just a different generation like we know like young people now are not the same as young people were 20 years ago or 10 years ago in terms of they're they're like you know attention spans or even like the amount of money they're making now when they come into the league and the amount of fame they have now when they come into the league so that's all a long way to just say that like no one's in the wrong to me i don't know if scotty started i don't know if thad started it but there's clearly a little bit of butting heads on this team in terms of those two dynamics to me yeah, I mean, that's that's super interesting. And, you know, like last week, um, Vivek was on the show and we were talking about their different timelines in terms of like, you know, the front office having to decide who they're going to build around because you can't. We thought that you could build around this whole core. And it seems like because we're on different timelines after all, you know, Scotty not accelerating to the uh, extent that maybe we thought he was going to at the start of the season. Now it's like, who do you build around? And wasn't there, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. um, When we had those two back-to-back games against Orlando, I want to say that was early December. Didn't Masai like fly in to have like a talk with Scotty? Yeah, that was in that was in Brooklyn. Oh, that was in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I think it was right after the Orlando right uh trip or something after like losing those games yeah um and then wasn't like was that i read that it was about more or less his attitude or approach to the game and then when fred was asked about it he was more or less like hey i'm struggling too so i can't really talk you know so I mean, with that being said, like, is that like a cause of concern for you? Yeah, like quickly on the video, there was a lip reader who I wasn't familiar with, but apparently he does a lot of like MLB lip readings and he's very legit, (laughs) who is basically just saying that Thad was saying, I'm trying to get you ready, as in I'm trying to give you the ball to get shots to get you ready for the second half. And Scotty was like, who said I need to get ready? So that's all it was in terms of like what they were actually saying to each other. Um, But that kind of goes to show too where that is like, you need to be putting shots up. You need to be taking the workout seriously before the second half of the game. And I guess he didn't feel like Scotty was taking it as seriously as he wanted to. Hmm. Um, What was your question was, is this a problem? Is this a cause of concern for you? Yes and no. Like, the whole team is a cause of concern because they're not good and and they are operating on two timelines and i mm. fundamentally don't think you can do that like i think the warriors are in a similar situation where they have these young players who can't really play for them yet and they have the old crew who are like very ready to win and i think you need to go all in on that old old crew if you're a team like the warriors 
And so the Raptors, I don't think they've picked a direction. And I just don't think you can win if you haven't picked a direction. But um, at the same time, with Scotty in particular and Coloco, kind of the two young guys who play a ton on this team, they've been a lot better recently. And ultimately, that's what matters. Like, Scotty seems to be taking stuff a lot seriously on the court recently because he's just been a lot more locked in, a lot more focused, and just better. So if that's going to be the case and he's going to continue to trend upward and Coloco's going to continue to trend upward, then I guess I'm not I'm not that worried about at least like the short term. Yeah, I think like the most optimistic uh, version of this is in the Tampa season, you know, Pascal Siakam wasn't having a great time and there were, you know, multiple reports about him not having the best attitude, but then it's like, look at him now, you know? So I think that's like the most optimistic version of this. Like, hey, it's like, we're kind of losing, we're kind of struggling right now. That doesn't always bring out the best in people, but that doesn't mean he won't get there. Um, I think that's the most optimistic approach. And the most pessimistic approach is like, wow, we could have traded him for Kevin Durant. And you just, you live to regret, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know if they actually could have traded him for Kevin Durant. Well, not solely, because the salaries yeah. don't match. But up. even with, more. like, it doesn't seem like Brooklyn was ever serious about that. Um, but at least me, I'm on the positive side. Like, I'm optimistic that Scotty's going to be just fine long-term. And it just feels like, he has a long enough track record of people saying really great things about him, of people saying he's a really good worker. Um, it just feels like a, a few months stretch where maybe he let loose a little bit. And that's fair. He just made it to the NBA, you know, after he had a great rookie season and maybe he let loose a little bit. And now guys are kind of, that's why you have leaders and, and vets to kind of be like, hold him accountable and be like, look, you got to take this a bit more seriously, which I think was the intent of Masai's meeting. So um, that's all it is. I'm definitely like very optimistic about Scotty's future still. Okay. That's good. I like that uh, question for you that I didn't plan. You know, we're talking about these two timelines, right? And how the front office does need to make a very difficult decision as to which timeline they're going to be on. If it were you, what timeline would you choose? Uh, Pascal's timeline, but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I would trade Scotty. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, if there was a deal for KD on the table, you you have to consider that. I think because ultra superstar, you have to kind of yeah. be willing to get rid of anything to get that. But more so, I mean Pascal's timeline in terms of Scotty is like this foundational young guy who can kind of maybe bridge these two gaps. I would not give up on that idea just yet because he's. He's a starter. I mean, he's a really good player right now, even if he's not quite at the level that those guys are. You don't have to all be the same age when I say timelines. You more just have to be kind of ready to win. Mm -hmm. And so more so, I mean, like, trade your picks. Like, trade some of your young players who are sitting on the bench not getting time. Trade your picks because what are you going to do with those future first-round picks? Are they just going to sit on the bench like Malachi did his first three years in the league? Because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of minutes right now for for another first-round pick to come in here. Mm. So, obviously, I wouldn't trade this year's first-round pick until things are a little more clear in terms of are they actually going to get out of this. But just in general, I would try to build it around Pascal, and I would give up some future assets to kind of make a legitimate team around him. Yeah, that's fair. I like it. Um, okay. Uh, no, I think that's a very sound answer. I would also pick Pascal because 
Um, he's such a sure thing. Um, he's an all NBA player, whether he gets voted in or not, because maybe the team doesn't have enough wins and they don't reward him for that. His talent is of that level. And I just don't think you give a player like that up just to start over again. Like, I just don't, I think people love to say, blow it up, blow it up. But it's like, it's so easy to say that and so hard to actually do. And there's a lot of teams that have blown it up that have tanked for multiple years. And although they maybe got good players out of it, they haven't necessarily won a championship a la the 76ers. So, you know, that I don't necessarily see that as like a clear cut path all the time. Um, towards a championship so i always hesitate to actually do that yeah i agree the draft is a crapshoot and Mm -hmm. so that i mean even even in years where like think about it like a few just a few years ago you know new orleans gets the number one pick everyone's like oh my god zion zion he is the guy he is gonna transform this whole franchise blah, blah 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 and although zion is great and he's had an amazing season so far. Hopefully, you know, he comes back from this hamstring injury um, because he hasn't been able to be healthy. It's like when you look back at that draft, you might be like, hey, maybe John Morant should have yeah. been the number one pick. You know what I mean? Like sure. maybe you were, you know, maybe someone, you know, the Grizzlies were better off having number two after all. It, it is such a crapshoot, even when you think you have a sure thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Otto Porter officially out for the season um i don't i you know i don't think we're particularly surprised maybe disappointed but not surprised at this point um so we kind of lose that sort of three and d presence um what do you th- make of that and how do you think the team um adjusts if at all going forward yeah i guess there's no real adjustment because because he hasn't, he hasn't really been in season. it yeah yeah um <laughs> So it sucks in the sense that that's what they did in their free agency money and they signed him to a two-year deal, which he could pick up next season and and hopefully not, but also potentially next not play or at least not be ready to start the season if he chooses to pick up his player option. So it's really unfortunate just from like a the Raptors keep striking out in free agency perspective. Uh-huh. Um because I did think he would be a really good fit with them and just add some more kind of sure three-point shooting, which they desperately need. But yeah, I, I don't think there's any clear, obvious answers like here, at least like on the roster to replace him. Wancho is a pretty good faci- facsimile of him in terms of he does a lot of the same things, but he's not shooting that well. So he's only going to play big minutes if he starts kind of knocking down threes. In general, though, like, what we've seen is kind of the answer or the formula. Like Fred has to shoot better. OG and Trent have to shoot better. And all these guys are trending upwards. So that's the good news. If you're the Raptors is that your three best shooters are knocking down some shots. And then I think also it's really important that some of the bench guys step up. So like Boucher, Precious, um, Wancho, Malachi, those guys also need to hit threes. I know the bench is not exactly built to like, be world beaters on offense but those guys have a history of knocking down threes hasn't happened this season at all so hopefully they can step up Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair um i didn't realize he was with us for two (laughs) years but that makes sense 
I imagine he would pick up that player option. I mean, why wouldn't he? So he'll probably just be on our bench for two years. You know, it would really help if he was like fashionable or funny or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just like a fun character guy. Or like present. Or present. You just don't see him ever. Yeah. He's not very around. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be really funny when um, he does eventually leave the team. And then the Raptors social media goes like, Otto Porter Mm. Jr., we miss you. Thank you so much. And then it's like absolutely nothing happened. Like I always love when when teams do those sort of canned uh, posts. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, fine. That's, that one will be made fun of on Twitter for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so like we said, you know, we're midway into the NBA season. Uh, we're midway into the six-game home stretch that everyone keeps hyping up about as being super important this season. I was kind of talking last week on this podcast that maybe this six-game home stretch isn't that important because maybe this season is just what it is at this point. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what do you what do you make of this so far? We did finally win two games in a row. You know, you have talked about uh, certain players being on an upward trajectory right now. Do you see things turning around for this team? I think so to an extent. Yeah, I think they've been I think they've been like the way we talk about it as fans is very doom or gloom. And it's like hit or miss. But it's like I think slowly there's been a lot of indicators that they've been getting better all season pretty much um they've been trending in the right direction i think and yeah these two games these two wins have been nice i think they're turning it around to an extent i still don't think they're ever going to be the team we thought they would be coming into the season like some of those holes on the roster have just been so pronounced that i don't think you can work around them to the extent that we thought so i i, I see them being like a play-in team like a seven eight seed you know, kind of best case scenario at this point. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. their ceiling is no longer what I thought it would be. But yeah, I absolutely think they can play better, play, you know, better than 500 even the rest of the way and kind of make it into the play-in game if that's what they want. Um, It's They're in a weird position because, you know, like to plug those holes on the roster that I just talked about would take probably trading picks and when you're this close to the lottery, you probably don't want to trade your pick and risk that. Uh-huh. So it doesn't feel like they're going to be buyers anymore at the deadline. But I could see them just kind of being reshufflers where they change the bench look a little bit. They get a center in here. Maybe they trade Gary for someone who fits like a center or something like that. Someone who a position of need a little bit more. Um, I don't know, but... Yeah, I, I think they are going to hover around what they what they've been showing recently. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I could see a similar thing happening. Um, you know, getting a center is obviously something that's sorely needed for this team. I mean, it's been said quite a bit. It's very true. Um, and I don't know if that really moves the needle for us this year in a dramatic way. It's really more like setting up the stage for next year, if anything. But um, yeah, you know, I kind of I was thinking the other day, like this team is becoming sort of infamous for, you know, these fake fourth quarter runs, although Mm. we have won our last two games. And I'm like, we could probably I could probably see the season going a similar way where we have this like crazy, like last, you know, late season run. Maybe we get into the play in 
and frankly lose the play. (laughs) People are going to hate me for saying that, but I, but yeah, I could see that being the way this goes. And then you get a draft pick that's somewhere middle of the pack And then where does that, where does that leave us? You know, I mean, and then it's tough too, because it's like, it's the players and the coaches jobs to win games. You know, we don't want them to not win games, but realistically, we're not making like a significant playoff run this year. I'm sorry. Everybody's going to be mad at me. Everyone's going to tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. Cause this is one of those things I'd love to be wrong about. Like I love being wrong if I, if I'm being not optimistic about the Raptors. So that's mm-hmm. cool. But I, I just don't see it at this point. And I, you know, classic stuck in mediocrity sports thing, I think could end up being our fate when this season is all said and done. Yeah. It's definitely possible, but I also think there's a very real chance, which is kind of what the opposite half of fans want to hear, which is like, I think the front office is smart enough that they do not want to be like the 10th seed and like lose a game in the playoffs and have a middling pick. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a very real chance that this season goes to the tank. And yes. I hate tanking. I, I We talked about how much of a crapshoot it is. At the same time, you have to be realistic with yourself. This is a generational draft. There's two guys in it who could change your franchise forever. And it's a deep draft beyond that, it seems like. And the Raptors are right there if you look at the standings. They could Mm -hmm. lose a couple games and have like the sixth best odds, uh, which is right where they were when they got Scotty. They were seventh best odds and they moved up to four. Mm -hmm. So if things don't turn around very, very quickly, I could definitely see the front office going in that direction. Um, if they win games these next few weeks, I could see them fighting for a play-in spot and, and trying to have another competitive first-round series, which is bad, but I don't think that's the end of the world if you're talking about a young team developing and, and trying to get better for the future. So those two options are okay. I will say like the worst is like losing in the play-in tournament and not really getting either of those options. Uh yeah. And, and, you know, before everyone gets like, uh, you know, upset with me, <laughs> I mean, look, even if we we could win a, a play in tournament game like the you know, if we look at these teams right now, it's the Heat, Hawks and Bulls, all of those teams. Of course, we could win two games in a row against any of those teams. I mean, the Heat uh, would be more challenging, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but all of that is in the realm of possibility for sure. But then you get to this first round and you're facing the, the Celtics or currently the nets or the bucks. Cause they're pretty much tied or very close to tied in that spot. If it were to start today, mm-hmm. I don't see the Raptors winning that series. No. So either. that, that's what I mean. It's like, you have to really look at it. It's like, sure. We might get past the play in, but that's, that would be, realistically the most we could hope for there so yeah Yeah. i mean people talk about making you know a big trade in order to tank but in my personal opinion we don't need to make moves today (laughs) we're already kind of losing a lot of games here um you know it's tough because you can't really rest fred or siakam because they have personal 
things to play for like fred's free agency if pascal mm-hmm. makes all nba he qualifies for the supermax i remember mm-hmm. there was a year a few years ago where like clay thompson didn't make the all nba and then he didn't get his supermax and there was a bit of an uproar about it so you know they have they have personal interests here to play for um you know when people talk about nick sitting them it's like they don't necessarily want to sit um so yeah. that's that's challenging, but I I do think like realistically for this team we need to be looking we need to be looking forward. I I I disagree a bit because I Please. think it's still pretty early in the season. Like it looks doom and gloom, but if the Raptors actually go on a run, you mentioned the teams ahead of them. None of those teams scare me. After that, it's the Pacers and the Knicks who also don't scare me. So it's like. The top of the East is very good, but I think there's a world that the Raptors pass some of those teams. And yeah, they're probably not going to win a first round series, but like you kind of just laid out, it they're not in a position where they can just say, uh, sorry guys, we don't think you're going to win the first round series, so we're going to sit you. Like That's just not realistic. Pascal especially, you just can't say that to him. Like Your sole no. priority is re-signing Pascal in, in the following summer. So if that's your sole priority, which to me it should be, then you might have to sacrifice a few spots in the draft to kind of make him happy and to kind of show him that you're competing and stuff. Um, but as I, as I also said, if they don't turn it around like right now, then you can kind of say to Pascal, hey, we gave you a chance this season. You guys didn't play good enough. We're going we're gonna to kind of reset and try again next year. Okay. I love it. I love it that you disagree with me. I think it's true. Yeah. The Pacers and the Knicks also should not scare us. Um, Even if we somehow miraculously turn things around and end up sixth in the East, we're likely facing the, that would be sick. Um, We would still be facing the Bucks probably in the first round. Uh, The Nets, if they can keep it together, if not, then uh, the 76ers potentially. Ooh, that would be sick. (laughs) You want to, you want another round with the Sixers? Honestly, I think they can beat the Sixers. Really? See, I'm the guy that just refuses to like throw in the towel for this team. I think they're very, very talented. And obviously things have not gone right in a whole bunch of different ways, but I really think it's disingenuous when fans say like, oh, they're just not as talented as the Pacers. Like from a talent standpoint, they are right up there. They have real holes and the system is failing them in a lot of ways. And individual guys like Fred and Scotty have been disappointing, but I just see a world in which everyone's playing at the top of their game on this team there's not a lot of teams in the East a lot more talented, I don't think. Okay. No, Oren, this is fantastic. Um, this is the perspective we all needed. Um, and you're absolutely right. There, the, There is a realistic path to be sixth in the East, and I think we would have to hope that the top of the East shuffles a bit more uh, in our favor than what it looks like today. Um, that's very cool. That's very exciting. I Let's uh, end the process era Sixers. That that's a dream ooh, scenario. You beat the Sixers. That is in a dream scenario. Round. Harden leaves and beat asks out, and it's all because the pesky Raptors didn't give up. 
Wow. Think about wow. it. See, I'm That's still I'm, I'm still haunted it. by uh Joel and Beat hitting that three on us in overtime. Um, that still bugs me that 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 play happened. Maybe because I actually saw yeah. that in person, but it's still and me I was too. and I was drinking. But I just laughed <laughs> when that shot went in, though. I was like, I was honestly like, this is a, that was amazing. Maybe they it's got everything. They, they got everything. I was, they I was wanted. being, you know, I was kind of on my unbiased reporter tip, and I was just like, wow, this seven footer just did a three sixty three pointer. Like that was amazing Mm -hmm. that's how i but if we make a trade at the deadline for a center i'm gonna feel a lot better about that series that much i will say yeah um okay Oren. uh it is time speaking of optimism it is time for our nick nurse hottie highlight of the week uh i am keeping this segment running i know half of everyone listening wants him fired that's cool uh i still love him and our hottie highlight of this week is Chris Boucher on his podcast, uh, the Hustle Podcast, talked about his relationship with Nick Nurse a bit and said that he had one-on-ones with all the players and that it was very positive and needed to happen. And when he, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, by the way, definitely recommend everyone check out that podcast or you can read about it. I think I read about it a bit in Yahoo Sports. Um, that... When in, in terms of Nick Nurse calling players out, he said uh, at a certain point you expect it to happen when you're not playing to your capabilities and it's not just a game or two here and there and it becomes consistent. And he's he more or less said you expect that to happen because if it didn't happen, then that just means they don't care. And so he sees that as like this guy cares and you expect your coach to be on top of you to a certain degree and only really had positive things to say about Nick Nurse, which I think for me was certainly reassuring. Um, I think a lot of fans sort of speculate, you know, people don't like the amount of minutes certain players play. Um, There's definitely been uh, some criticism of some of his plays and rotations and things like that. Um, when it comes to defensive rotations, he said it's like it's he's basically said it's brilliant when it works, but when one thing doesn't happen, the whole thing falls apart. Um, so that was also interesting. Maybe we're switching a little too much or it's a little complex, but overall, very positive things. And I thought that was very nice that he did that. That is nice. Lauren, tell us how much you hate Nick Nurse. No, I like Nick Nurse. I mean, (laughs) I like Nick Nurse as a coach, I do like him as a coach. I think, um, I was kind of Samson folk at Raptors Republic kind of laid it out to me this way. And I think it's smart is like the calling out players stuff. I get that Chris said that he, he doesn't mind it and that's Chris. Clearly it's okay with him. Some yeah, other not guys every, have not yeah. said that. Yes, and it's just like, this is what Samson said. I think it's a good point. It's like when you say things like precious hasn't been good, he needs to be better. It gives fans the leeway to speculate and be like, okay, what hasn't he been good about? And then you see one defensive mistake and you go, oh, Precious is messing up, right? And you start to blame stuff on him when, because like if you're going to call out players, be specific about like, this is what he needs to do to get more minutes from me. I, I would appreciate that. But just being really general and being like, he's been bad. It just gives fans too much leeway to like buy into the narrative that like he's been bad if they don't like him or whatever. So I, I think that's the issue with playing and calling out players. 
Um, but yeah, it works with some guys like Chris and in general. Well, I know that is a really good point. One thing that I don't necessarily like about it is just how vague it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's not playing well. He needs to do better. And it's like, that's extremely vague and not necessarily like helpful or constructive criticism. So there's that part of it too. But yeah, I mean, I guess I not to sound all like Raptors Twitter or or whatever, but I think a lot of us are kind of like itching for a vibe check with the team and they're kind of hard to read as, as an outsider. But when I see things like that, it, it helps me think like, okay, maybe things are a bit better than than i thought but maybe i'm but also maybe i'm totally wrong and i don't know anything or and who knows no i think you're right in the sense that like there's been a lot of opportunities where this team could have thrown in the towel and if they didn't like their coach they maybe could have like after he kind of called them out in the media and just said like that was unacceptable you do see teams the next day just throwing in the towel and not trying and we saw the opposite like they've been playing harder than ever over the past couple weeks so to me, like the locker room is is not in like shambles, just from what I can see in terms of their play more than anything. Like it mm-hmm. seems like they're still playing for each other and for their coach. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Bit more criticism than we usually get on our hottie highlight of the week segment, but I still love it anyways. Uh, Oren, thank you so much for joining me. I actually genuinely really do appreciate your optimistic takes. Possibly. Am I converted? Possibly. I don't know if I'm fully there, but you uh, made a lot of convincing arguments that made me feel uh, slightly differently about this team. So I appreciate you for that. Uh, For all our listeners uh, who may not already be following you, let us know uh, what you're up to and where people can find you on the internets. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Um, Oh, by the way, you've passed the test and you will be invited back someday. Just in case you were wondering. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I mean, I brought I brought a lot of optimism, honestly, more than I was expecting to bring. But uh, people have just been so I, I've just been tuning into Raptors Twitter and it's been so grim. And I'm just like, I don't feel this way. Like, I definitely am not. I, I'm not confident they're going to turn it around, but I don't feel the way that a lot of people are talking about the team. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, what am I up to? I'm writing weekly at yahoo and at sportsnet sometimes the raptors sometimes about canadian basketball and you can find me on twitter at oren weisfeld just kind of like how it sounds <laughs> i don't want to spell it out <laughs> no that's fine that's fine people can check out youtube if they're unsure or i mean i don't know just google you i'm sure you pop up uh also we're doing a live event together on uh february 7th at the rivoli it's gonna be us and uh, i believe <laughs> samson and lewis are hosting uh katie heindel's gonna be there as well as a bunch of other special guests uh we're doing i assume it's like a live panel slash podcast uh about the raptors right before the trade deadline so if you're in the toronto area come on out we'll be at the rivoli of feb 7th um maybe i'll ask uh lee bader who helps me uh edit and post these uh (laughs) post this podcast to maybe include a link uh shout out to lee thank you for helping me and yeah please check us out and uh thank you again for tuning into this week's episode uh hoping for another raptors win uh tonight and throughout the week and maybe we can have have a very different conversation next week. Okay, take care. Bye.